want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go.
Christmas. Mary. <laughs> Who's <a> Mary? <laughs> so we just heard 220 Volt from Sweden with yes. Heavy Christmas. Yes. That is the kind of Christmas music I like. Yeah. And there's plenty more where that came yep. from. We're starting off our Christmas, Grim Christmas Massacre. <laughs> With well. 220 volt amperes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, fun fact to kick off our Grimm's Christmas special. Mm. Um, did you know that according to Facebook, two weeks before Christmas is the busiest time for breakups? That's pretty smart. Pretty, pretty smart. What, what do you mean by that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that, Why would people break up with... That wasn't me. That their, was Larry David. With their significant other two weeks before the holidays. Save on gifts, son. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if those two weeks are like the greatest chance of somebody being single, too. Probably, right? That would only make sense. Mm -hmm. You would think, yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, today is the 23rd, um, and I would like a divorce. You would? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> mm. Luckily, for you and I, we don't stress ourselves out with gift exchange. Yeah. So we're very big on memories. So yeah. we take all that energy, and we put it towards concert tickets mm -hmm. or festivals. Yeah. Vacation. Or, yeah. Yeah, we used to kind of waste money on the gift thing and realize that that shit was forgotten pretty quick. Yeah. Most of it. and It's just very commercial yeah. feeling and like filled with obligation. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It just didn't feel like you and I. So right. we don't do that. Yeah. Which I like. I, I like. Me too. Um. So speaking of christmas and traditions mm -hmm. i found this um cool little article on littlethings.com mm -hmm. um, that talks about like different traditions from around the world mm -hmm. um in newfoundland they do something called murmuring mm -hmm. disaster disastrous murmuring <laughs> Uh, families or a group of friends uh, wear masks and go out visiting various homes. Though it might seem frightening, the masks are part of the carolers' tradition, traditional huh. wear. That sounds like some purge shit. Uh, <laughs> um, once inside, the murmurs, those are the carolers, okay. um, will perform songs, short plays, or jokes in exchange for the host's hospitality. Hmm. That kind of sounds fun, actually. It sounds kind of like Halloween a little bit. Yeah. It kind of looks like Halloween, too. Like, they're all in, like, their homemade masks. Mm. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, uh, in Portugal. Now, keep in mind, right, that this is on the WWW, mm. so. So it's real. <laughs> so. Absolute fact. Um, Portuguese households always set a few extra plates around the table on Christmas Day so that spirits of the dead can join them for the annual feast. They make extra food for the spirits to take with them so they have a successful year. Hmm. Interesting. This also gives a chance for Aunt Linda to complain about the turkey being too dry, <laughs> even in the afterlife. <laughs> Damn, Aunt Linda. 
Um, this one I've actually heard before. I, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Linda isn't a isn't a very common name in Portugal. Yeah, probably not. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I know. don't know. Um, this next one I've actually heard before. Okay. In Japan, I guess KFC is like the big, oh, yeah. like Christmas mm-hmm. feast tradition. What's with you and KFC? Colonel Sanders about? last week. Well, you're fucking obsessed with that shit. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe I'm related to him. Maybe. Didn't we see one? I forgot where it was, but it, it, there was uh, one about a log. Oh wait, I just found it. I want to hear the log one. I, um, I really enjoy this. Catalonia. The Legend of the Pooping Christmas Log. Yes. Um, children take a log, often painted with a smiley face, enter their home, and they feed it every night. They bundle the log at night to keep it warm, and they treat it with love and kindness. <laughs> then, on Christmas Day, the children beat the log with sticks <laughs> while ordering it to poop out gifts for them. That is Perfectly one rational. holiday cartoon I do not want my children to see is what the article Perfectly says. Perfectly rational. <laughs> hey, you know, there's traditions it, here it, in America that yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. are absolutely absurd. Yeah. So oh, yeah. just because they're different yeah. doesn't mean they're weird. They're yeah. just different. Like a giant bunny rabbit comes to your house and puts candy in a basket. Yeah. Or a tooth fairy not, comes and takes your rotten teeth. <laughs> all right. So before we carry on with the Grimm's Christmas special, um, we should talk about our weekend. Mm-hmm. So Friday night yes. was the Gates of Paradox uh, self-titled album release show. That's right. And they had Got It Alive there. Uh, Christ, Fatal Curse. Mm-hmm. They had Rick Horton. I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. There were so many people. Yeah, it was a great show. Great turnout. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, all the bands were fantastic. Uh, Gates of Paradox killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, playing all the songs off of their new CD. Yes. Um, first time ever playing a lot of those songs out, and they just yeah. they killed it. Yeah great they were great yeah and the it the um, the turnout was really impressive yeah um it was an all local show and you just never know which way that's gonna go right yeah um but there were a lot of people there Mm -hmm. a lot of familiar faces a couple new faces Mm -hmm. um some people that don't normally go out a lot to shows um we saw so it it was just it it was really nice to see the energy was fantastic some of the parents yeah and that was really fun to see um we got to meet eddie's mom Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she is so supportive um of the band and eddie and it's just it's really nice to see um yeah it was it was good it was it was a ton of fun it was and although the Gates of Paradox release show is behind us, we still have um, the After Christmas Massacre yeah. show to look forward to this week. Mm-hmm. That yes, we will be Friday the 27th at the Bug Jar. Mm-hmm. Um, Sulaco headlining yes. and playing alongside Clibus and Short Attention Span Theater. Yep. Two bands which we have never seen before. So yes. it'll be a good show. We're going to have our festive... Um Salako. 
I hope they come in time. Sweatshirts. That'd be awesome. Wish I'm yeah, I'm hoping so too. Yeah. Um All right. So I say we play a couple more Christmas songs. What do you think? Yeah. All right. So first up we're gonna play Spider Kitten from the UK. I know you won't be home for Christmas. And then we're going to go into Laser Guys from Norway with Help, It's Christmas Part 1. <laughs> I can relate with that. <laughs> I think we all can. <laughs>
think it's time to get into our interview with our guest this week. Okay. So we are going to be chatting with uh, Ben Scrivens, who is the brother of Mike Scrivens. Check out episode 12 for anyone that doesn't know who he is. So Ben is the founder and CEO of Fright Rags. Yes. And for those of you that don't know what Freight Rags is, it's a homegrown Rochester business Mm -hmm. that he started out of his basement Mm -hmm. um, and has grown into a really successful local business using his love of graphic design and horror movies um, to make T-shirts and later um, lounge pants and activity books all, all and kinds of stuff. hats and all kinds of stuff so um we thought it'd be really cool to chat with him yep. um about his journey yeah and uh get to know him a little bit on a personal level so let's get to it let's give him a call hello hey ben hello yeah hey it's fee and ben from grim dystopian how are you I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking time out. I know we know you're super busy and we appreciate the opportunity to sit and talk with you. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. So, Ben, uh, I've known Mike for, your brother Mike, for quite a while. And I remember him probably 16 years ago telling me, my brother Ben is starting a horror t-shirt company. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's, that, awesome. that's awesome. And can you maybe give us uh, an overview of the of the company <clears throat> and maybe why you started it in the first place? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I did start it back in 2003, just over 16 years ago. Um, I've been a horror fan pretty much all my life. I saw Halloween when I was four years old. It was the <laughs> uh, It was actually the network. TV premiere on NBC on October 30th, 1981. I mean, I didn't know any of that when I was a kid. I just, we were at a party uh, uh, at a family friend's house and, um, you know, Mike and my other brother and sister were off playing with our kids over there. And I was pretty much the youngest and I was bored and my mom said, go watch TV. And I did. And I turned on the TV and this movie came on and I, you know, having been, was only four, I was only used to like Scooby-Doo and Popeye <laughs> and you know, some other things. So I was pretty much mesmerized by it. I remember sitting there watching it. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I just, it's just something, something about it. I think it, it probably really scared me, but to a point where I didn't, I wasn't like afraid to go to sleep. I don't know. It was just one of those things where just like really stuck with me, you know, later on, I would be scared by it when I saw it another time. But, um, anyway, that just started my love of horror. And as I got older, you know, I, I wanted to see more of it and my brothers would bring home movies sometimes and I'd watch them. And, you know, I just got to a point where by the time I was nine years old, my parents, uh, ended up signing the back of my um, video rental card because every time I go run a movie on my own, the people had to call my parents to make sure it was okay. <laughs> I was one of the horror movie. <laughs> and finally funny. they just said, can you just sign the back? Because this is crazy having to call the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of got this like free pass from my parents to get pretty much whatever I wanted in terms of horror movies that, you know, I was the youngest. Um, I'm sure Mike would tell you, I got a late, I got away with everything. And they, they always talk about that. But, um, <laughs> I, I was just enamored by it. So I watched a lot of horror growing up. And then 
Um, I was also kind of like on the side, also just interested in, or I just had a weird sort of, uh, there's particular penchant for different types of t-shirts. And I only say that because like when we'd be on vacation, like, you know, getting a souvenir like t-shirt, I always went, had to pick out the perfect one. And, and I didn't know how to articulate that in terms of design or anything else. I just sort of knew what I liked and I was particular about it. Uh-huh. Um, and I always gravitated toward like odd shirts. Like I remember when Hills was up at the Greastown mall and um, after gold circle. And I remember walking in there and they had a rack of shirts and one of them had a, it was a white shirt. It had a big Gilligan face on it. Uh-huh. And I thought that was pretty funny. So <laughs> anyway, I was just drawn to these weird pop culture shirts. So anyway, fast forward to 2003, I was a graphic designer. That's how I get what my, degrees in and I was working at a, a business that created uh, and designed laptop bags and I did web stuff and print stuff for them and I was just bored and I, you know this is early days of the internet so there wasn't any Facebook or MySpace or Instagram or anything like that so I was on these message boards for horror movies because that's what I loved and some of the message boards I was on were of uh, people that made like cool props like Michael Myers masks and Jason masks and Freddy gloves and all that really cool stuff. And it was all so expensive, but amazing. And I thought, wow, this is, this is just so cool. I need to, I want to make something. I just needed, I just felt like I wanted to make something. I've always felt like that. And, um, I had some screen printing experience from high school and college. And I thought, Oh, maybe I could design t-shirts or something, but I don't think I could print them myself. So I just came up with a few ideas and I talked to my buddy who ran one of these more popular boards. He made, um, masks and he actually went on to form a, a larger company called trick or treat studios, which sells their masks in party city and spirit and all over the world and everywhere. And he said, you know, these designs are good. We should put them on, on my message board, see if people like them. And I thought that'd be great. So, basically just showed the designs like mocked up on t-shirts and people really gravitated toward them. So I said, well, maybe I should like, maybe I should do this. So I just came up with a name, um, Fright Rags, which was really original. (laughs) It was literally me writing on a left-hand column, all words that were synonymous with horror and on a right-hand column, words that were synonymous with t-shirts and apparel. And I started drawing lines between the two. And Fright Rags seemed to, yeah, I mean, it just kind of stuck out. So I came up with a logo and I created my own website and uh, linked up PayPal and everything to it. And um, I remember the day I was ordering the t-shirts, I was ordering them online through a company called Custom Inc. And um, I had them in my cart. I had three designs, 20 shirts each, and they were, I think, like 10 bucks each. So it was like 600 bucks I was about to spend. And I wow. didn't have that kind of money. Like no, like $600 to spend I'm like, on t-shirts? <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. And I remember literally hovering over like the, the checkout button and I had my credit card in there and I was like, my fiance is going to kill me. She's going <laughs> to be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and I bought them and I said, well, here we go. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, I got to sell 60 shirts. And right after Labor Day weekend, I launched the site and started from there. That's amazing. Yeah. Did did you go into graphic design with the plan to move into like a, a horror kind of theme or no, no. I, I didn't actually I, I you know I was always interested in design with you know logo design and branding and things but I'll tell you one thing that happened it was sort of the late 90s early 2000s right before, before I started Fright Rags obviously I remember going into Borders out in Henrietta and um, 
they had a magazine called Rue Morgue, and I'd always been a fan of Fangoria, but in the, in that, those recent years, I hadn't bought it very much because the quality just seemed to diminish a little bit over those years, and it just didn't seem to, to, to uh, they didn't cover the movies that I liked anymore, and it, I don't know, I just didn't, it didn't catch my eye. But Rue Morgue magazine caught my eye because of its design, and the first issue I picked up had Michael Myers on the cover, naturally, and when I flipped through it, I just was taken aback by the illustrated illustrations inside, but also the design, the layout, the care of typography and all the design nerdiness that I got from going to school. I was like, Oh my God. And, and actually that moment in that magazine really opened my eyes to, um, to knowing that graphic design and horror can go together. And at the time I didn't think about anything about making anything of it, but it really opened my eyes. In fact, the, the person responsible for the design of the magazine, Gary Pollan, uh, has gone on. It, we've become really good friends. In fact, he designed the Fright Rags logo in 2008 that we still use today. So um, he's a really good friend of mine, lives in, in, uh, in Hamilton, on, in Ontario, in Canada. But um, yeah, it was never my intention necessarily to go into horror with graphic design. My love was just with graphic design, but I also had a love of horror. And thankfully, I was able to blend them together. That's really cool. Yeah. So I think we saw somewhere um, that, did you study graphic design in Germany? I did. So I, well, I studied, you know, I went to RIT. That's my, that's the, my, where I got my degree from. And in my junior year, well, between my junior and senior year, there was an opportunity um, hours to work in, to, to study at the Bauhaus School of Design, which is a famous design school in Germany. Yeah. And uh, in fact, if you ever see the, that kind of like white building that it's famous for, that's the school that I was able to study at. And there was essentially a program, it was a study abroad program that was put on by that school and our school. They were sort of sister schools and they had this, this uh, um, our, uh, one of our professors was on the Rotary over in Germany and they always they had this design for, uh, abroad program for several years and you had to apply to it and they picked two students and uh, myself and one other student were picked and I was over there for about four and a half months studying. Uh, living in the dorm and um, and yeah, and studying design and, and traveling all over Germany and my uh, girlfriend, which then became my wife. She her family is from Italy, so she came at the end of my studies and I met her down in Munich, Germany. And then we traveled uh, to her family, uh, both sides of her family in Italy for ten days. So I got to stay for a little longer and travel around and stuff. That was, was a blast. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you did you learn any German? Yeah, it's funny. I, I took German in high school. And so at the time that I went to um, uh, Germany, it had been about six years since I graduated because I, I, I'd gone to, to college out of high school, but then I quit for a couple of years to um, to work and play in a band with Mike and my brother and my other brother. And, and then I went back to school. So when I started RIT as a freshman, I was actually should have been a senior just the way it worked out. But anyway, it was about six years since I'd taken any German and I got there and, and where I studied where it was is a very small East German town and they only spoke Russian and German. There was no English except for the students that went there. Um, they also, cause they grew up learning English, Russian and, and German. Um, and this was only about 11 years after the wall came down about 10, 11 years. And it was still very much, very rigid there. So I had to get, I had to speak German. I mean, I had to speak. And it's funny how much comes back to you when you haven't used it. It's like this weird 
uh, it's almost like the matrix where he's like, Whoa, I know Kung Fu, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. not to say that I was immediately fluent, but things started coming back. It was still a struggle, but I, I, I made it work. And after, you know, by the end of, of my time there, I was able to, you know, get on the phone and order a pizza if I wanted to or something. <laughs> so it worked out. That's cool. So your family kind of obviously supported you with horror, right? Growing up. So it kind of stuck with you. Yeah, I mean, my parents... Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. Um, But where I was going with this was you kind of took a leap, right, in 2003 to start Fright Rags. And I believe where you you were with your girlfriend at the time, right? Or your fiance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what, What did she think about that? I think, you know, initially, like I said, with that, you know, and yeah, my family definitely supported me growing up. And even though my parents admitted later on that they were a little worried about <laughs> like my love of it, because nobody else in my family really expressed that kind of love for these things. And once they realized I was really interested in the theatrics of it, like the, the gore and, and the um, how they did it, like the magic trickery behind it, because I would read Fangoria and stuff, they, they kind of, they were kind of cool with it. But with my, uh, with my fiance at the time, of course, now my wife, she, she was supportive. I think she just, it's funny when I first started it, you know, again, there was $600 in a credit card and we were planning for a wedding and she's like, what are you doing? But she was not mad. I was like, listen, I think I got to try this. And she's like, all right, try it. And everybody in my family and even friends, it was this funny thing because it was sort of like, oh, Ben's starting his little company. It's just, you know, it's almost like, oh, it's this cute little company that Ben's (laughs) starting, you know, which honestly was fine because that's all it was, you know, like it, it really, it really wasn't anything. It was a leap in the sense that I had never really done anything up to a point I've always wanted to do creative things and you know write a movie or create something whatever but this is the first time I ever actually put it out there for public consumption and the, they would send me money and I have to send some this was like kind of like for lack of a better term sort of official so but it was small I was in my apartment I had two boxes of shirts sitting in a spare room you know this was not a huge operation I didn't quit my job you know so I think for a long for few years people are like oh it's Ben's little thing hobby you know? yeah <laughs> which it was it was yeah um so I saw some you do vlogs right or you did at one mm-hmm. point I don't do you still mm-hmm. do them I don't do them as regularly as I'd like to I think it's something that I, I was doing for a little bit and then I kind of lost the momentum and it's something I'd like to get back to though uh you should because you're really good at it <laughs> Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, you are. So I watched the one um, where you talk about taking that leap, right? And quitting your mm-hmm. full-time job and putting all of your faith into what you truly believed in. And it's yeah. like such an inspirational story, especially for Ben and I, as we start up this podcast, right? Because we've had highs, we've had lows, we've been kicked, we've been hugged. <laughs> we've, and, we've kicked each other. Yeah, yeah, we've kicked <laughs> each other. <laughs> so hearing your story and you talking about the other side of it, right? There's that excitement side of it, like while I'm following through with this passion, but then there's this other side of it, like, uh, I kind of have to take care of myself, right? Like, can yeah. I do this? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, and when I, when I did quit my job, um, you know, I, you know, my daughter was just over a year old, you know, so I had a kid and, you know, my wife luckily has a good job. So that wasn't as much of a concern, but, you know, one of the things, and I, I may have mentioned this in that vlog, I don't remember, but 
it was mid 2007 and, and a friend of mine um, who I was visiting, uh, he said, you know, can't you quit your job now? Like, can't you just do this full time? And at the time I hadn't even thought of it because I had an account that had, that had some freight rags name on it that all the freight rags money came into. And then I paid for shirts and other things out of it, but I never paid myself. I didn't take a che- check from that money. That was all freight rags money. And I honestly didn't know if I could. So um, at the time I opened up um which is amazing because the savings account online was like 5% interest, which is ridiculous now. Like you don't, wouldn't see that anymore. But, yeah. um, and I, I took the money that I would normally make in my job and I had it automatically deducted from my freight records account and put into this online savings account. I and mean, I even cut up the, the, the debit card and everything. I didn't want to know about it. I just wanted the money to be deducted every Friday from my freight records account to see what would happen. So there was really, in, uh, the money wasn't going anywhere, but some other accounts. So if I needed it, if I got to a point where I was like, "Uh oh, I'm out of money," I can pull from it. Yeah. But in the meantime, it was going into this account that I had no other access. I mean, I had access to it, but I didn't. It wasn't like among my other accounts as a separate bank, and you know, it was just getting five percent interest. And I did that for six months before I was like, "Wait a minute, I can." And nothing changed in my business. I was able to do everything I wanted to do. Wow. So. Knowing that I had six months of income built up and I was still running my business without any hiccups, you know, I wasn't running out of money because I was paying, quote unquote, paying myself. It gave me more confidence. And then even at that point, I took a lesser position at another, at a design firm. I actually left, quit my job, full-time job and went to work for a design firm downtown that I was always interested in, but they needed a junior designer. I was admittedly a little overqualified for it, but I didn't care because I just wanted some part-time job because I didn't know what was going to happen. I was still worried. Right. And so I, I, I was able to get that job. I quit my full-time job. I went there part-time from March uh, until about August of 2008. And at that point I realized, I talked to my boss and said, listen, I, you know, I'm only working, you know, 20 hours a week. And yet I'm still really busy with my, my company and I, I have to leave. And then she was totally supportive of it. But at that moment I had realized, you know, I was able to, it's almost like I had to confirm even more that I was able to do it. And by August 2008, I was on my own completely. And uh, that, you know, it's still a leap of faith, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of these were, you know, calculated, but at the same time, it's always scary. Oh yeah. You know, you just never know. Yeah. Like we commend you. Like I can't imagine (laughs) taking that like leap of faith. Yeah, definitely. And now you're doing something that you're so passionate about and you're putting your graphic design skills to use and your love for horror. Like it just, that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. No, thank you. No, I, I appreciate that. And, and yeah, it is, it is interesting to have been able to sustain that. And I, you know, now, you know, there's six more employees aside from me and a warehouse and everything. And, you know, it's still every day is, is still working on figuring stuff out. You know, I'll never have it. I'll never have it figured out, but that's okay. That's part of the whole, the whole gig. And it's probably part of what keeps you interested too, honestly. It does. And, And the thing about running a company and I found that, you know, as much as I love, obviously I love graphic design and, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a comic illustrator. I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be graphic designer that I got my degree in. 
I'm able to use almost all of those skills every day, um, just in what I do and other things. I love numbers. I love working with people. And so I wear so many hats that I don't, you know, I don't even get to design anymore, but I get to be the art director, creative director. I get the final say and everything, or if I feel like something needs to change, but I get to work with people that are way better than I am and be like, holy cow, look at this. This is awesome. Yeah. so I get to be surprised and delighted every day with, with what people come up with that are working with us. And I don't know, it, it's a funny thing. I don't know that I ever want to be locked into one specific thing. And that's why I love running a company like this, because I get to kind of, you know, in a sense, do what I want. But it's all these things that I love doing. But on, on the flip side of that, it's the responsibility, it's the fear, it's all the other things oh, that come yeah. with having that sort of on your shoulders but you know that again that's what comes with the job ben can you tell us about fright rags and the morgue (laughs) yeah so um i was you know working out of my apartment and then my house when we moved into a house and then when i got my first employee we ended up moving into a very 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 small essentially closet for a year and then um grew out of that room into another room and then basically a year later moved into another uh, facility for a few years. But in 2013, uh, we were coming to the end of our lease where we were on Buffalo road. And, and at the time, you know, I definitely didn't want to stay where we were. We were, um, growing out of it. I wasn't happy with the landlord and we just, we needed to find something bigger and better. And I wasn't really interested in anything cookie cutter, but at the same time I needed something that I could afford and something within a reasonable distance from where, you know, my home or whatever. So I started looking around and I found this place and I, I didn't know where it was in downtown, uh, obviously here in Rochester. And it was, um, I, I don't know. It was in this area that I wasn't familiar with. I knew cause it was right by, you know, everyone knows Nick Tahoe's on main street. And I was looking around and okay, I know this area, but I don't, this street looks way different. It looks like really nice. Like it just looked <laughs> like a back lot from like, uh, from like a, a movie set or something. I couldn't describe it because I saw these pictures and the office looked really nice. It was gorgeous. And I'm like, okay, this is way out of my price budget, but I need to look at it. I just need to just get it out of my mind because it just was too cool. So I, um, I decided to meet with the landlord and the building owner. And I, I, it was like a February. So it was like really kind of cold out and snowy. I pulled up and like, wow, this is a neat little street. This is a neat little building. And I was walking through and warehouse is nice and open and big and way more space than we needed at the time, but really nice. And they have this big back room. And then I went upstairs. The offices were gorgeous. They'd just been redone and a lot of natural light and everything. And, and it was funny. I was like, you know, <clears throat> this is great. And I was talking to the, to the landlord and he seemed really nice. And he almost seemed like kind of familiar to me. And I'm like, I don't know where I know this guy from. I don't think I know him, but whatever. And the, and the realtor was really nice. And anyway, we're talking and he seemed very friendly. And I was like, you know what, this is, this is great. But, and when we responded, you know, replied to emails afterward, I said, this is awesome. Thank you for showing it to me, but it's, too out of, it's way out of my price range. So the realtor came back. He said, well, why don't we talk about it? And we were talking a little further and negotiating. And then the, the building owner emailed me on the side and said, hey, um, I think we share uh, an acquaintance, a friend. I'm like, who? And he said, Kathy Demanda, who was the woman I worked for when I left my full-time job. Oh, and wow. She, yeah. And come to find out during my short 
four or five months at that job, we were working on a book designed for the Eastman Theater, which was being redone at the time. And we had gone to lunch with the people that were funding the book and the photographer of the book, the photographer being the person who owned that building, which is Andy. So he and I had actually had lunch together about four years before that. <laughs> so it's funny how that works out because I was kind of skittish about a new landlord. He was skittish about a new tenant because he had had some issues with his former tenants and come to find out, you know, Kathy being uh, just a great person was like, Hey, Andy, Ben is a great guy. You should totally let him lease your building. And, and she goes to me like, Andy's a great guy. You should totally, you know, go to his building. So kind of through that, we kind of assuaged all of our fears and came to an agreement. And we've been there ever since we've been there since 2013 and uh, it's been awesome. And so I should say, because you mentioned it, come to find out when while I was walking through the, taking a tour of the building, he told me it was an old, the old city morgue. And uh, that, of course, you know, I had no idea. And I uh, freaked out and <laughs> was like, I, I need to have this place. But <laughs> oh, yeah. again, it was out of my budget, but it, it just it ended up all falling into place. And it was uh, it's been pretty amazing. Yeah, it was meant to be. Yeah totally was for sure it's like home the the old rochester city morgue for fright rags like that couldn't turn out any better (laughs) and it's funny because we have old pictures of it the way it was as the morgue and uh for old stories and we've had some weird occurrences happen there which has been pretty creepy and weird but um yeah it's uh but it overall it's been it's been pretty fun is it creepy in there you know, here's the thing. It's not like I've been there into the wee hours of the morning. There's times where I'm by myself at two in the morning and I'm waiting for something to just like fly across the room or do something. <laughs> but honestly, I, I've only witnessed a couple things, but honestly, there've been weird instances. We've had a radio turn on and change stations, um, in the warehouse. And it's a radio that we had in our other warehouse. It's not, wasn't anything. I mean, it's, I don't know why it happened. We've heard, uh, well, people in the warehouse have heard screams. Um, the weirdest thing was um, our warehouse manager came into a, a small puddle of blood in the middle of the floor in oh. our warehouse. And it was in a weird spot because we have motion detectors in that warehouse. So even if it were a critter, um, you know, it, it, it would have caught, the motion detector would have been caught. Um, there was no footprints or anything. It was literally just a, a puddle. And I had pictures of it, like, it, and it was blood. It was not like barbecue sauce or ketchup or anything. It was, it was definitely blood. Um, that was weird. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to the people in the warehouse, um, and uh, oddly enough, on the side where we keep our socks, we have them in bins, and and they're they're, they're set in, so it's everything's kind of you have to reach down in. Um, all of a sudden, the socks are kind of like. I don't want to say flew out of the bin, but kind of fell out of the bin. And I picked it up and I walked over and started talking to everybody again. All of a sudden, another one came out and I was like, what's going on over there? <laughs> and uh, in that same corner, uh, Jess, who works in the warehouse, had heard some rustling the, the day before while she was in the back of the warehouse. She heard someone like, it like sounded like someone was rustling through the boxes of shirts we had there because they had bags in them. And uh, she was completely alone in the warehouse. So little things like that, you know, nothing major. And, and maybe they can be explained by other things. I'm not going to say that it's absolutely a ghost, but I'm certainly open to the possibility. So, you know, as long as I'm not throwing crap around my warehouse, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. 
How did, how did you end up connecting with the little theater? So that happened in 2009, I think was our first year we talked to them. Um, the, the person handling the program management there, um, Bob had reached out to us and I don't know how he found out about us, but he thought it'd be cool to do like a 24 hour horror film, fest, you know, like a, a screening. And um, Roy, who is one of the projectionists there, uh, we all met together and, and programmed this thing. And then we did it a year later. And then um, Bob was no longer there, but Roy was uh, um, kind of helping program a little bit. So we would have contact every maybe year or so. And he'd say, hey, you want to do a film? And I'm like, yeah, let's sponsor a film or whatever. So we would be doing these things maybe once or twice a year for a couple of years. And then uh, in 2015, we did an entire month of programming at the Little in October. It was, uh, I think, one one movie a week. So we did four or five movies that, that year. And then he's like, you know, we should really be doing this as a monthly thing. Let's let's talk about this. So Eric uh, Myra, who also works at the Little, and, and myself and, and Chris, who works with me, and, and Roy, obviously, at the Little, we got together and started kind of planning this, this series. And we call it Saturday Night Rewind. And in, was it March of 2016, I think, was our first official screening under that name and we've been doing it every month since um usually once a month but in october we've been doing it basically every weekend um and, and obviously it's horror in october but throughout the year we'll mix it up between horror and cults and sometimes comedy i mean we just showed christmas vacation and gremlins last weekend so um <laughs> it's great because a lot of these um we've been showing on 35 millimeter which we really feel like is important uh, whenever we can get them. Yeah. Um, and it's really been a cool outlet, A, because it's local. And I've always enjoyed any time we could do something local. I mean, you know, places in Buffalo and Syracuse and all these other places do these screenings. And, you know, they're hard to get to unless you, like, have to spend the night somewhere or it's, like, really late getting home. And I've got kids now. Like, I can't, I can't be traipsing about all over the place. But, like... <laughs> here it is in our backyard. I can get down to the little, watch a movie with a crowd, have a blast, you know, maybe go out for a drink or something and still be home by like 1230 or something, you know, or, yeah. or whatever. It's, it's great. And it's a really great to, cause I know the communities here of fans of horror fans or just cinema in general. And to, to have a party essentially every month is really, really cool. And we've been able to do things like um, I bought, a, an original Halloween print, a 35 millimeter print for myself a few years ago. And, uh, it's one of my kind of, you know, Holy grails. It's obviously my favorite movie of all time. And I had an opportunity to buy the print and, um, the studio that owns Halloween, we work with very closely with, with licensing and, uh, they're, they become, you know, friends of ours and they don't usually let anybody show 35 millimeter prints cause they're all so old and usually worn out, which is mine is too. Um, and so they only want people to show the digitally restored version when they show it theatrically, things like that. But there's a few places in the country they'll let show. And one of us, one of them is the little because of us. And they know it's my personal print. They know my love for the film. So every year we've been showing that movie, um, my print of it, because I want people to see it on screen and, and, and its original format. And two years ago, we had PJ souls from the movie, um, who played Linda. She's a friend of mine. We had her come out uh, for the screening. Her and her boyfriend came out. And uh, it was so great because I got to 
people, you know, it was a sold out show. People got to meet her, get an autograph. We watched the show together. It was just like, it was, it was an amazing experience. And we've been able to do that with other people. We had Joe Bob Briggs come here a couple of years ago. We've had people Skype in. We just had Heather Langenkamp Skype in for a new nightmare oh, that's um, cool. last month yeah. or in October. Yeah. So even if they can't come here physically, we can get them on the big screen in their living room from their laptop and people can ask them questions. So it's really cool to be able to, to help connect the fans that are here in Rochester to something like that, because we're not LA, we're not New York, we're not Austin. You know, we don't, we don't have these things happening every night like those places yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And I love Rochester. I'm born and raised here. And to be able to, to maybe help bring some of that here is, is just been amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad Saturday Night Rewind came up kind of organically. So you have a podcast, right? Saturday mm-hmm. Night Rewind? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you still do we that? Did, yeah. Yeah, so basically, you know, that started out on a whim. I wanted to do a podcast, and I was I really wasn't sure. I have a lot of ideas for the podcast, and I was trying to think of what to do. And I thought, you know, I don't want to. I didn't necessarily want to call it fright rags because I didn't want people to think that all we were talking about was fright rag stuff. I guess. Um, and I like the name Saturday Night Rewind, and it, and it opens itself up to a little bit more of a universal sort of, oh, this is a pop culture horror sort of thing. And, you know, anybody outside of Rochester, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything other than what the podcast is. But of course, it also coincides with what we do with Little. <laughs> Excuse me. But we started that a little over a year ago. And so up until now, really, it's been um, a, a way for all of us at the warehouse and office to get together once a month and talk. And actually it's worked out really well because it's all seven of us in a room talking on our mic. And we, you know, give, we have a topic every month, which is pretty loose. Um, and we just talk and it's usually about an hour and a half, two hours. And it's great for anybody listening because, you know, we have people in the warehouse just filling orders and, and handling that stuff. And we have, you know, obviously customer service and production manager and our designer and, you know, people are out there in the community a little bit, but it's a good way for customers and friends of ours to kind of get to know us a little bit more. And we all have a voice on the podcast and we can all just talk and hang out. So that's literally been the format and we do it once a month because it's, it's, we're, you know, we're busy. It's hard to do it on a weekly basis or whatever. And that's been great. And it's been really well received and we only do it purely for fun. I'm not even, I, I, I check the stats once in a while, but, I don't care if, if it's literally two people that listen to it. We do it because <laughs> we have fun with it. And uh, if people mention it, even better. Um, and I do have some ideas of what I want to do for some episodes that can come in, in, in between. Like, I always want to keep the format we currently have, but I would love to just throw in some other uh, maybe interviews or other things that I, I kind of have a, like, a just, I don't know, a desire to, to do, a passion to do. I just haven't done it yet. So maybe 2020 will be a, I'll start doing that a little bit more, but we'll keep that monthly format because it seems to work for us. And it's fun. It's a, it's a good excuse for us to sit down and get together and just shoot the, shoot the shit for two hours. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else that you want to highlight about frag, right? 
cheese. <laughs> Fried rights. <laughs> I knew what you meant. <laughs> Fried rights. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I, really, it, it's just that it's, you know, I always want to thank people for supporting us because, you know, I wake up every day and, and get to do what I want to do. And I, I work with really great people who are, I mean, as passionate about this as I am and which I'm, I'm very blessed with. I mean, I, you know, and, and just the, the fact that, you know, sometimes I feel like people think that we're a larger company than we are, or they have a certain preconceived notion about us. And, and yet I want to let people know like this, like it's because of the people who order from us, uh, and what we get to do, what we get to do. Like, it's so funny when people will thank us, like I'll, you know, see a tweet or a post on Instagram, like, thank you, Fright Rags. For, well, I'm like, thank, thank us. Like, what are you thanking us for? Like, we're, we, we have to thank them for buying it. And it's an incredible, I don't know. It's an incredible thing when someone's thanking you after they spent after they gave you money. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a weird thing. Thank you so much for letting me give you money. And, right. you and I get it. I get it. Cause they're getting something that they love. And, and listen, that's again, we don't take that for granted. Like it's, it's bad as a day. I mean, I, I'll tell you today was actually a pretty rough day at work. Cause there were some things that happened. It was totally a Monday because anything that could go wrong went wrong with, there were some licensing issues. There was, other issues there's all these things kind of happened and normally you know it would make anybody feel like you know screw this place i'm out of here this food sucks and but we all you know as bad as it gets it's it, it's still better it's still a, a better day than the worst day of some other job you yeah, know yeah. um because it's not just another job and it really isn't like we we care deeply about you know what we do um so I just, you know, I just always want to, re- you know, thank people for, for giving us the opportunity to do that because if people don't buy our products, we don't have a job, myself included, you know, this isn't something where, you know, we just do it for fun. We do it, you know, this is our livelihood and it is fun, but it's also a lot of work and we just appreciate people's support. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it sounds like you're like wrapping up, but we're totally not done with you yet. <laughs> Okay, no worries. <laughs> All right, so now that we've learned about Ben's journey with Fright Rags, and before we go into some personal questions about who Ben is and what his hobbies are, mm-hmm. uh, let's play a couple more Christmas songs. All right, what are we going to hear? Uh, first up is Grim Christmas out of Colorado with We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Then after that, we're going to hear Cardor Dick Smash with... Ouch. Christmas Warriors.
So obviously we are close with your brother Mike, aka mm-hmm. the brutal postman for those of in course, the metal, yeah. metal community. <laughs> yeah. AKA the- to me milkman. <laughs> yeah. AKA Cotton Toe. Cotton Toe for the Cotton Toe, right. <laughs> um, we kind of dug up some personal things about you because there's a whole oh, other side oh, of oh. you outside oh, of Oh my God, this is great. <laughs> so we're going to flip if you're good with Fright Rags to talk about who you are um, more on a personal level. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. This is great. I love Twist. <laughs> all right, so... My first question to you on a personal level, since you've made horror kind of like your life, do you still enjoy horror movies? Oh, yeah, I love them. Um, It's funny, I, you know, and and my wife would agree because I'm constantly getting packages in the mail that I order because I'm I'm just, I'm obsessed with buying movies. But um, yeah, I absolutely love horror movies still, and they are probably still... uh, you know, if yeah, I don't get to watch as many movies as I'd love to these days, but, you know, I always try to sneak them in, you know, here and there, you know, uh, my wife's not really that much into horror. So like, I'm usually watching by myself or if it's a tamer one, my son can join in. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I love other genres. I love film in general. I, I just, I, I just love movies, but horror is absolutely still my favorite genre. And, and I'll watch horror movies to the day I die. I love them. Do you have any, you said Halloween is your all-time favorite, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have any mm-hmm. recent favorites from like the past few years or this year even? Ooh, um, Us was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that film. Um, trying to, I'm just trying to think recently. I'm actually opening up my most watched or my recently watched list because uh, it's funny because I feel like these days there's so much to consume. Yeah, definitely. That it, I feel like once you see a movie, it's almost it's almost gone yeah. like from your mind because there's the next thing to watch. There's the next thing to watch. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I actually enjoyed? I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite movie of all time or anything, but just thinking of a movie that came out this year that I enjoyed uh, more than I thought I was going to was the child's play sort of remake. Mm. Um, you know, we haven't listen, seen that. I wasn't a fan. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a fan of them redoing it or, or like doing a new one because Don Mancini, the creative child's play, has been doing newer movies like Call of Chucky and Curse of Chucky and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and so this was really just sort of like a, I took it as sort of a cash grab from MGM because they have the title name and all that stuff. And I was kind of poo-pooing it until I saw the trailer and I was like, all right, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to be open-minded and not for nothing, but. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was a fun movie. So um, I dug that. Um, I mean, there's definitely been a ton of movies recently. I, I always laugh when people say, you know, oh, horror's not like it was back then, blah, blah. Well, you know, when we were in the 80s, we were kids. And you see things differently yeah. when you're when you're like eight, nine years old than you do when you're, you know, in your 40s or whatever. So yeah, it's true. I still think there's great movies being made. I mean, the newest Halloween from last year I thought was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of great movies being made now. Have you had a chance to see um, It Part 2 yet? Oh my god, no. And I'm It's driving me nuts because I loved Chapter 1. And oh. when Chapter 2 came out, we were in a, we were in a, at a convention in Indianapolis and, and I just it just, you know, again, I it's a three hour movie. Like, yeah. to take that commitment and be like, alright, I'm going out at like 
you know, nine or something, and I'm not going to get back to it. So I, I bought it on, on 4K. I'm going to be watching it over our Christmas break. So that's, on, that's like literally in the top of my list to watch. Did you see it? Yeah, we actually just saw it last night. Yeah, it was incredible. Nice. It was so much better than the first one. And I didn't even know that that really? was possible yeah. because we oh, really wow. loved the first one. But yeah, I really think you're going to enjoy this. Yeah. It had, oh, I can't wait. The, the great story was there, but it also had amazing effects. The effects in it were just I, I over the top. Yeah. And humor. It, it, had, it had humor, like, yeah. Yeah, it had a lot of wit in it. Yeah. I think you're really gonna like it. Yeah. I want to know what you think about it after you watch oh, it. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, the first one seems universally loved, at least by like most of my friends and the people that I kind of talk to about movies. And then the second one has gotten such this weird, hot and cold vibe from people. And then they talk about the humor and they talk about like, you know, this worked and this didn't. But I just finished the book. I had never read the whole book. I had started it years ago and I kept starting it, but I never finished it. I just finished it a couple weeks ago. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the second movie and, and knowing that things will be different. But um, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it um, it definitely. So the first one had more of like a commercialized feel to it, kind mm. of. Mm -hmm. um, and the second one has like an underground horror element that I think that you might appreciate. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that is absolutely at the top of my list to watch in the next, over the Christmas break. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll like it. Well, I hope you will because we just yeah. talked it up. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um, all right. So talk to us about 10th Ward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so 10th, okay. So to talk about 10th Ward, we sort of have to talk about After Dark which was the first band that my brothers and I have. And that started in 1994. So Mike, as you know, is like a serial band guy. Oh, like yeah. He's like, he's, he's been in more bands than I don't, I've lost count fingers and toes. Like definitely. He's been in <laughs> yeah. <tons of> bands. <laughs> and uh, he's always been that way. And then my other brother, Matt, who's two years younger than Mike, he's played drums uh, since he was a kid. And of course, Mike will at least used to primarily play bass nowadays, mostly guitar with his cotton toe. But um, I started playing guitar when I was eight and then I gave it up after a few months because I hated the lessons. I did not want to play camp town races. I didn't care about that. I wanted to play <laughs> rats. I wanted to play like anything like that. So I gave it up. I didn't pick it up again until I was 16 and the Ramones became my favorite band of all time. And I borrowed my mic, had a guitar and a small amp. I borrowed it from him and taught myself. I would literally put on Ramones albums and just listen to them and taught myself power chords and how to play those songs because they were three chords each. Mm -hmm. And every song was like a minute and a half lesson of how to play. And I just started learning patterns and things on the guitar. And then for my 17th birthday, he gave that to me, like that guitar and the amp for like my gift. He's like, no, you can keep it. So I would just spend hours playing. So by that kind of fall, um, we started forming a, a band with a friend of my other, my other brother, Matt's friend, Mike, his name, his name was Mike as well. He played lead guitar and we formed this band called After Dark. And we, our first gig was at my uh, high school, Battle of the Bands uh, thing, um, or it's called Bands for Humanity, I think. It was done right after I graduated high school. It was that June. 
Um, and that was our first gig. And then we played, um, at, I think it was what fast Eddie's or something that was down in uh, village gate or something like what <laughs> there was a club there. We played a couple gigs here and there. And then Mike, uh, left the band. I mean, I went to school and I came back and then we ended up our friend, Rob, um, again, my brother, Matt's friend, Rob, he, who we've known for years, he played really good lead guitar. So he joined us and that's when we kind of, um, I don't know we were technically 10 toward at that point. And then when he left, this was like 2000, I think we renamed it 10th Ward because that's where we grew up in, in uh, downtown um, off of like driving park, Lexington area. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were, it, it was just us as a three piece. And uh, so for the next four or five years, it was just us playing as 10th Ward. You know, we play out, we play, um, was it club red was one of them. We play, uh, Penny Arcade, you know, California Brew House. I think we played once or twice. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Why? So why did you stop? It was, I mean, I think it was sort of a confluence of things. Our last gig from, I remember, was in 2004. And it was October. And it was at, I think that was California Brew House. Um, I, you know, got married, got a house. I started my own company. So I started, you know, I just started not having that a lot of time and it just was time. And I'm sure, you know, between Matt's schedule and Mike's schedule, we just couldn't, it just kind of got away from us. And it, you know, and, and honestly, I put the guitar down for many years. I mean, just between working full time and trying to keep my business going and growing and then, you know, having kids on top of that, it really was something they were, they would just sit there on my wall and, and, and not be touched and, it wasn't because I didn't love it. It was just, it was time and I didn't make the time for it. And it really wasn't until maybe 2013, 2014 is when I really started picking it back up again. Cause I was able to find something where I could plug it into my computer or my iPad. So I could actually, cause I just couldn't play in my, my amps in my house. Like it's just going to be too loud. So when I found uh, that I could plug into something to have headphones on and play, I began to play more. And then, um, Mike and Matt wanted to get back together because we had a like a, a gig for Matt's um, brother-in-law's like party and whatever. So we ended up um, practicing a lot for that, and then we had an uh, opportunity to, to record. And um, is it? I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's Black Dog Studios downtown on Gibbs Street during the jazz festival. Mm-hmm. Um, we we could get some time and record there, so we we kind of practiced a bunch for that, and we even played at a gig at I think Mike's church once. So it was, it was fun. It was a couple of years. Of course, then Mike was sidelined a little bit with his surgery in 2015. Um, and so, uh, but that, you know, we, we, we practiced a little bit during that, you know, after that number, but after that, it kind of, again, schedules and just, you know, it's funny. We were talking about it just last Sunday about wanting to get together and practice again and just at least jam. I miss jamming with them. I miss going in my brother's basement and just turning up the music and, putting on our little stage lights and jamming like that's just it's a lot of fun and, and I definitely want to do it again I'm hoping we can do it soon oh absolutely um so we are totally prepared and assuming you're okay for it we absolutely want to play eyes wide open <laughs> yeah go for it all right cool all right cool um did Ben did you have a question I do um I wanted to ask Ben what was on his playlist these days oh man um wow 
I, it's very weird. I listen to a ton of different things. Um, so it's, it, I, it's hard to pigeonhole like what I'm listening to at one, any given time. Like today I was actually listening to a lot of, uh, Green Day's first uh-huh, album. Uh-huh. Um, in the past couple of weeks I've listened to the Echo and the Canyon, um, which was, uh, Jacob Dylan. They redid a lot of the older, um, songs from the, uh, from like the birds and mamas and papas, things like that. It was based on a documentary that's on Netflix, which I highly recommend. Mm, okay. Um, been listening to a little bit of older Van Halen, um, old, old Van Halen and some like 5150, which is actually the first album I bought as a kid when I was eight oh, <laughs> um, cool. with my own money. Um, are you a the new Blink-182. Are you a Sammy that? or Dave guy or both? It's hard because I think my favorite song is dreams i just love that song yeah. and it puts me in this um a certain like i i remember that song in 1986 i was you know nine years old i remember where i was yeah. you know um but then i listened to like eruption or certain songs from 1984 or um uh, 1984 album and i just like love it you know what i mean yeah. like it, it's so i can't it's hard to pick one era yeah, yeah. um but yeah i've been listening to the new blink 182 i love angels and airwaves um I'm just flipping through my list. Ghost, I've been listening to, and uh, and Steve Winwood. So I mean, I'm all over the place. It's crazy. I there are days, and and Kimmy, who's my office manager, laughs at me because she makes fun of me all the time. But she'll hear me jamming out to Wilson Phillips in my <laughs> office, and because uh, I love Wilson Phillips, and then I'll be jamming to Ramones, or I'll have my, our um, ministry on. You know, like <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, that's good. Variety's good, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. <laughs> So we're coming up on Christmas, right? Yeah. Um, Mike told us a story about how he used to snoop in the attic. <laughs> yeah. And you followed him up there one day to see mm-hmm. what Santa Claus had brought you guys. And he locked you in a chest and walked away. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How'd that make you feel? <laughs> um... Well, I mean, he really should be paying me back for all these years of therapy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, actually, it's, it, you know, looking back on it, you know, Mike is 10 years older than I am. And Matt is eight years older than I am. So, yeah, they are my big brothers. My sister's five years older than I am. So I almost, there were, at times in my, my childhood, I felt sort of like an only child, which is kind of cool because I was on my own. But my older brothers, my older brothers, and they, you know, they pick on me and, you know them locking me in that crate i'll never forget it because i i believe that was the reason why i became so claustrophobic <laughs> as a kid and as a even younger adult um to a point where long story short i dreamt i was in a coffin once and i ended up um in my dream trying to get out of the coffin by uh slamming my fist against it and come to find out i actually ripped through my entire wall next to my bed oh boy. <laughs> um it was like a 16 by 12 inch hole in the wall that I Holy punched through. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's no joke. Um, I ripped all the way through it from stud to stud. Oh, wow. And, oh my uh, God. yeah. So it, it, I, I'm not as bad as I used to be claustrophobia wise, but I do not like tight spaces that much. And I do, I, I would attribute that to not only being locked in a chest when I was a, a kid, but also my brother's constantly sitting on top of me and not letting me get up. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. I have an older yeah, brother, I mean, and he used to do. He used to practice his wrestling moves on me, and he would not get up, and I yeah. couldn't breathe, and it would make me panic. 
Yeah, they sit on your chest, they got your knees around your ears, and they just sit there, yes. and you can't do anything. Yes. And um, yeah, that's absolutely how I, I spent the first five years of my life, mm-hmm. or maybe more, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice going, Mike. I hope you're proud of yourself. Yeah, oh, I'm sure they are, believe me. They are, Mike and Matt are very proud of, of what they've that they've accomplished <laughs> but that's okay they're my brothers what are you gonna do so do you think do you attribute the night terrors to your brothers or the horror movies <laughs> <laughs> i don't you know that's a good that's i don't know I, I i think it's a little column a column b you know what i mean like i think there's a little bit of both it's funny i never i did get scared of some movies growing up i mean you know, I also have my brothers to thank for taking me to see some of these movies in the theater when I was not old enough and they would take me. So, I mean, you know, the first Halloween movie I saw in the theaters was a part four and and that was because Mike took me and, uh, you know, I was 11 years old. So, I mean, he took me to Friday 13 part seven. I mean, my, my brothers took me to movies when I was a kid. So that was pretty cool, you know. So, but I think, you know, I would say I would say a little bit of both was, was probably the reason why I had night there. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you were locked in that chest you that was the present chest wasn't it i you know i don't remember it being the pre- i just remember it being some old sort uh-huh. of like uh just chest in our, our attic i mean i was only god maybe four at the time um i just remember going up there and you know, it was probably something that yeah, they were snooping for presents mm-hmm. and I was just kind of following them around. They're like, Hey Ben, check out what's in here. And then I <laughs> got in and they were like, ha ha click, you know, I, I don't need to be fair. I don't even know if it actually locked. I think they were just sitting on top of it. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing. I just know I couldn't get out and it's garby for life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about it tonight. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so backing up to horror movies, um, I have a question for you. What yeah. what is your favorite HG Lewis film? Ooh, um I think it would have to be Blood Feast, yeah? for sure. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to think of some other but that to me was like it was it, it's basically a slasher, you know? Yeah. And I when you look at the gore, like the you know, the girl in the bathtub and everything, mm. like that was pretty gross back then. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, when it, it's gross now, but if you think of it in terms of the context of when the movie came out, I mean, it's such a weird movie, but yeah. scenes like that, to me, I'm like, like that's even more horrific back in, wouldn't it come out like early 60s? Yeah, like yeah very early, right? Um, but yeah, I would say Blood Feast for sure. Nice. That's a, that's a really good one. My favorite is 2000 Maniacs. Okay. Ooh, that's yeah, that's a good one too. Because there's some good gore in that one, and there's kind of a weird twist at the end when you find out that they were all dead. Yeah, the, I mean it's it's uh yeah that's a I mean, that's a classic. I'm trying to think of the other ones that he did that I like. Gruesome twosome. I've got a. Oh, I've never seen that one. I've got a few blind spots with him when it comes to his his catalog. Yeah, I've been trying to to go back to some of these people like H.G. Lewis and Roger Corman and, and things like that to, to kind of like re like go like like watch all their cat like even Alfred Hitchcock as much as I love him and all his movies like there's a bunch of blind spots yeah. there that I, I need to fill in so yeah. I, I like I like almost being like a student of, of film and trying to like you know take like a director and watch all of his movies yeah. or a, a franchise and watch all the movies and things like that yeah yeah I know with H.G. Lewis, he he kind of branched off besides 
doing the the splatter and gore stuff. He had some like sexploitation movies and he did some other oddball things too. I haven't seen all of his stuff, but I've seen, I think I've seen most of the, yeah. the gore stuff. Yeah, he, he's had an interesting career. I mean, the guy is a legend. Yeah. You know, I mean, regardless, and the guy is an absolute legend. But you're right; he's definitely he's definitely done some different things over the years for sure. So, Fright Rags website, you sell a bunch of stuff, not just shirts. Mm-hmm. I see trading cards, socks, lounge pants, uh, magnets, <laughs> posters, um, all kinds of good stuff. Do you, do you have any uh, sales coming up for the holidays? People can go. Yeah, um, we traditionally do like a year-end uh, sale after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. I mean, we shut down um, around, you know, between Christmas and New Year's. We're, we're and In fact, this year, because they fall in between the weeks, we're shutting down for two full weeks um, just to everyone get some vacation, relax. But, um, but yeah, we, we'll have after Christmas, usually the day after Christmas through New Year's, we will do a pretty big year-end sale. In fact, it's probably going to rival, um, you know, in terms of deals, what we did on Black Friday. So um, anything that's left that we do have left over will we'll most all be on discount. Um, you know, so if people get some money for Christmas, they can, or gift cards, whatever, they can, you know, head on over to the site and, and check it out. Um, but we've got a pretty much a, jam-packed year next year coming up with a bunch of of new and different stuff and and yeah always looking to try to make it interesting i'm we're looking forward yeah, to it i'm uh i'm eyeing the silent night deadly night activity book uh thanks that was so much fun to do <laughs> and i'm telling you like we so one of our artists uh that we work with on a regular basis did the the illustrations but um, Chris, who is our production manager, came up with a lot of the ideas and the activities. And I'm telling you, like, his first time I saw the concepts, because uh, we were just talking, again, a lot of the stuff comes up uh, over conversation. We're sitting here and, and he and I were discussing Christmas when we were kids and just like, I, for whatever reason, he and I both related to drawing and act, like all of our activity books as kids, like coloring books were like all christmas related for some reason like i just remember specifically drawing in christmas books yeah. you know under the tree and i think it was just there that you know you're waiting for santa to come right yeah. and and you so you're you want you want to like color in santa and color in stockings and just the whole thing and it's just magical and we thought oh my god it would be amazing to do that for silent night debbie night uh-huh. let's do it and uh you know we were good friends with the people that own that movie and they were like you know the guy who owns the movie he's like do it this is gonna be great and when I first saw those concepts, I was, I still laugh when I look at that book because it's, it's so ridiculously funny <laughs> to me. Like the maze is the kid who gets his head cut off in the, on the sled. Yeah. It's like, you have to, uh, you have to take the sled with the decapitated head and you have to trace it all the way down to his head. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so we're actually thinking about doing other activity books on for other properties that we have licenses for. If we can get, if we can, if the licensors are okay with it, we're going to, we're going to try to do some other ones because we think we can, you know, translate this to other properties, oh, yeah. but that's certainly Silent Night, Deadly Night was a fun yeah, one. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. 
I think I'm, I'm going to put in an order as soon as we're done with this uh, conversation. <laughs> I'll be coloring in no time. Nice. We'll throw an extra pack of crayons in there for you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Maybe they'll keep them quiet for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, All right. See, it's, it's that adult coloring thing that, you know, it helps uh, with anxiety and, and all the stress and all that stuff. So, Marriage. Yeah, it'll help. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we know you're busy and you have a family to get back to, but thank you so much for spending this time yeah, with us. We you. really appreciate it. Yeah, we love what you do. Oh, it, it, it was my pleasure, and, and and I definitely will have to. Well, definitely have to meet in person at some point. You know, here in Rochester, and so we're all we're all here in the same time. Absolutely. But, um. Yeah. Uh, no, I absolutely appreciate you reaching out and, and, and appreciate the time as well. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank so, you. And we look forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Thanks. All right. Merry Christmas. Yeah, have a great night. Right, and a great Merry holiday. Christmas. Thanks. You too. Take right, care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, bye. What a fantastic conversation. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I... I really enjoy learning about people, right? Yeah. And having conversations like this. Mm-hmm. And Me too. Um, his story is just kind of really inspiring to me. And I know I kind of compared Grim Dystopian to Fright Rags, and there's really no comparison there. But I, I think I was trying to drive home the point of, like, uh, you have to put yourself in these vulnerable situations, right? Like we didn't know how we were going to be perceived when we started the podcast. Not at all. Um, And it was scary. Right. And um, I'm sure he kind of went through different feelings Mm -hmm. um, sitting in his basement, Mm -hmm. folding shirts, like, you know, Yeah, and then finally taking that final step to make it like real life. It's, it's cool to make that his source of income, like completely. Yeah. Very cool. And he does a great job. Yeah. Guess what time it is? What? Murderpedia time. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So the story is centered around uh, the Christmas killings in Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. Ohio, <laughs> 1992. Uh-huh. Also called the Joy Killings because they, the people that did this claim they... Just did it for the fun of it. Okay. Yeah. So, the kind of the head of this group was Marvelous Keen. Um, he was the self-proclaimed downtown head of the downtown posse of juveniles and young adults in Dayton. Working with three young co-conspirators, Keen murdered Joseph Wilkinson, 34, an acquaintance, Danita Gillette, 18, a stranger who was using a public telephone, and Sarah Abraham, 38, a clerk at a convenience store. Mm-hmm. When he feared they would snitch on him, Keem was involved in the silencing of the two acquaintances who knew too much, Wendy Cortill, 16, and Marvin Washington, 18. Washington was shot by co-conspirator DeMarcus Smith. Keen's girlfriend, Laura Taylor, killed the sixth victim, Richard Maddox, who was 19. The crimes spanned from December 24th through the 26th of 1992. 
and were known as the Christmas killings. Taylor and Smith were juveniles at the time of the killings and thus ineligible for the death penalty. Mm. Another defendant, Heather Matthews, was indicted on two capital murder charges but was granted a plea agreement in exchange for her testimony against Keene and Taylor. Smith, Taylor, and Matthews all are serving prison sentences in excess of 100 years. Jeez. So it looks like Marvelous was executed. I think it was in 2009. Is that what I just saw on your screen? Uh, I think it was, yeah. 2009. Yes. Yes. July 21st, 2009. Executed by lethal injection. Hmm. Um, so we have his last meal here and, and his final words would you like to know what his last meal was yeah okay. a porterhouse steak with A1 sauce a pound of jumbo fried shrimp with cocktail sauce <laughs> french fried potatoes and onion rings with catsup dinner rolls and butter two plums, a mango, a pound of seedless white grapes German chocolate cake Two bottles of Pepsi and two bottles of A and W cream soda. You know what his final words were? Huh. I have no words. <laughs> Probably from all that food he mm-hmm. ate. <laughs> hmm. I don't get it, the whole joy killing thing. No. But that's probably good I don't get yeah. it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's good for me. That's a sad story though. <laughs> Victims yeah. around Christmas time. Yeah. I bet a lot of people were impacted by that yeah yeah. for no reason other than fun yeah yeah crazy i'm really digging that murderpedia it's a cool site yeah yeah um all right let's uh wrap up our christmas special here um but before we do we are going to play 10th ward by the scrivens brothers And the song we're going to play is Eyes Wide Open. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
I'll make you deceive, I'll make you perceive I'll make you destroy, but I'll make you believe Watch me now as I walk away I'm wide open, I'm wide open.